Faith and Science Podcast. My name is Sally Bobbitt and welcome back to the fifth Sunday after Pentecost for the week of July 14th, 2019. I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to get into this week's podcast. And isn't it exciting that we're watching this time of rebuilding in the church, this time where we get to really do some growth work. And I think this is really a fun time of the year to be looking into the texts in which we're going to be looking at this week and digging into them and pulling out these rich depth of what we are trying to be told. It's a unique time, I feel, within the church where we can really grow and stretch and really find where the new spot that we need to grow is in this season. And it's just so fun to be in the early stages of this with being the early stages of Pentecost that lasts us and carries us for an extended period all fall. But it's such a growth time of year and it's really an exciting time of year. And I hope that you are feeling that as we are digging into this week after week. Again, I'm thankful for so many of you who have reached out in different ways of letting me know that you've enjoying this and are having fun with this. And I'm so thankful that you are doing that. Continue, just shoot me a message, shoot me an email. It doesn't need to be on Twitter to answer the question of the week. And that's so uplifting to me. It really makes my job easier to continue to bring this to you week after week. So, before we get into it, we have a couple house cleaning things to do. And the first is our shameless plug for Working Preacher. If you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it. Between their Sermon Brainwaves podcast, their commentaries, their discussions, having people who are esteemed preachers and esteemed theologians in their field, many more credentials than me, especially since I am not an ordained minister, it helps give me a lot of guidance. And so I would recommend if you haven't checked out workingpreacher.org to spend some time over there. The second thing before we jump into this week is to look at the Twitter question we had last week or just general question. Again, you can always just reach out even just by responding to the email. I still get those and I'd love to hear your responses to these. And I said, where else do you see two becoming one? Last week talking about how genetically, we see that we go through this process of two human cells becoming one cell to become two again. And I got a very interesting response from a friend of mine who brought up that a lot of glues, epoxies, anything of high strength that's worth its weight is a two-part. So that, think about it like when I get epoxy at the store, it comes in two tubes and that you have to mix it together to become this new substance to be able to hold together two bodies. And I thought it was a great example, a great understanding and a place that we can see it and understand it, that we have these two different chemicals coming together to make a stronger bond to bring two other foreign objects together. So shout outs to Dave Sauer, what a great example. And I think it's one of those things, again, with faith, with life, that we have to remember that we are called with be sent out two by two. And that with that, we have one spirit with us. And that through that, with combining with the spirit, that hopefully we can help other people come to light and seeing faith around them, whatever 
and however they understand that. So let's dig into this fifth Sunday after Pentecost, starting with the gospel text coming out of Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. And this is known to many as the Good Samaritan. And as we hear this familiar story this week, I think there are some details that we really have to remember about this text. If you remember back two weeks ago, where James and John are walking through a Gentile territory and they ask for the flames to come down. This is a chapter after that. So this is right after this has all happened. And it's almost like Jesus's response to them is that it's a Samaritan who is helping a man, which we'll get into here. That is an important aspect of this. But you have a lawyer coming up to Jesus who is asking what he must do to inherit eternal life. And he says, where is it written in the law? What do you read there? And Christ responds with the love of your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And he prods him a little bit further, trying to get, well, who then is my neighbor? And this is where we get this story, that a man, it never states if he's Jewish or Gentile, but a man from Jerusalem is going to Jericho and that he falls into the hands of robbers and he's laying there on the side of the road. And this is where then we have a Levite and a priest walk by. And the significance of this is that by law, the priest and the Levi are supposed to bury the dead on the side of the road. But if they do, their hands become unclean and thus can't enter the temple for a week. But yet when the Samaritan walks by, he helps get him taken care of, probably realizes that he's not dead, and then brings him to a place and with his own cash is paying for the care of this man and essentially is saying that if there is more needed, let me know so I can take care of it. And Jesus then said, who is the neighbor? And the man, the lawyer, doesn't even say the Samaritan. He says the one who showed him mercy. And Christ then says, go and do likewise. There's so much there, so much in the little details there that it's interesting that we have the passing by, that we don't get what is the history behind the man, but we do with the Samaritan and how it becomes a story of seeing a need and just filling a need. The man needs help, so why wouldn't I go and help? Really interesting story. The first reading is from Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 9 through 14. And this is, again, I found the Old Testament and other New Testament readings as very much supporting this idea of what we're finding here through the gospel text. That if we're following the law of what Christ is telling us to do, that we will reap abundantly. And it never fully says what abundantly is but that he will help us prosper and that he's commanding us today to listen and follow him into the best of our ability. And by doing that, he will take care of us coming from the Deuteronomy text. The alternative first reading is from Amos chapter seven, verses seven through 14. And this is where we get the famous section on the plumb line. 
which is a builder's tool for making sure that you keep things straight. And Amos is not the typical prophet par se. He even states in here when he's telling this that I'm just a herdsman. I have been one who has been trimming the sycamore trees. I have my own flock, but the Lord has come to me to proclaim this. Even as people rejected him, that essentially Israel had been led astray and that they needed to change their ways. And this upset the king. This upset the people that we were doing something wrong. And essentially then he's saying, I am just doing what God has told me to do. And that is to tell you this and that the way that you're living is leading toward death, is leading toward being further stray from God. The psalm this week is Psalm 25, 1 through 10. And it's this idea of with steadfast love, we have to then put trust in God. And that it's then his mercy and his love will steer us in the right way. And while we're doing that, we have to be humble ourselves and understanding that this is not our doing, but God's doing. That we have are humbling ourselves at process is ourself, but through the humbling of ourselves, it allows Christ to penetrate our lives and move us in the right direction. And it's amazing how well that again leads into the second reading coming from Colossians chapter 1, verses 1 through 14, and Paul beginning his letter to Colossae and stating that they've been praying for them to be able to see the fruit of the belief through the belief of having in Christ and following what Christ has led them to be, that the fruit and God working through them will produce amazing kingdom work, if you want to put it that way, that we will see our lives in a different way because we are led by the Spirit. And again, tying it almost back to the Deuteronomy reading, that we will have prosper And however God interprets prosper to us, as long as we put our trust and faith in him. And that we will then be able to see through that Christ's work in us. And there's a lot to digest here and a lot to think about. And I'm going to focus a lot on the gospel reading because I think it is the linchpin that makes this week work. And when I'm thinking about this from a science context, I start wondering who is the man? Who is the man? Because I think when we are looking at our world today, I think there's a lot of places where we could still say the man is this, the man is that. And I think there's a lot of places where we have to think about and consider, is this person, this thing, this part of society becoming a man that so many people are avoiding? I know for me here in the next few weeks, I'm working with working on relationships within my church community with the indigenous people around my church in a small way. And I'm not saying it's this huge miraculous thing, but it's partially because that because there's been parts of us that we haven't understood things so they've become the man and as i keep thinking about this and contemplating this i start wondering from a science context is the man the environment 
the man is just trying to live its daily life and falls into the hands of robbers. Those who don't understand what this man is doing takes advantage of this man. And the priest and the Levite have information, know that they are called to help these types of people, but are ashamed or scared of what ramifications they might have in their rest of their life, so they ignore it. And yet it takes somebody humbling themselves to help this man and realizing that even when I pay, there might be more to pay to really fix the damage. I realize that with me leading this podcast, I am of a younger generation and I feel like I can still say that. And yet I am going to be feeling the pain of decisions that people have made that are way beyond my pay grade, may have happened long before I ever came into this world, and yet there's still problems that I have to then try to help fix. To me, what gets frustrating with this subject, with the environment, is how many people have ignored it. And it's not just political leaders, it's all of us, myself included, because there's plenty of things where I know there are things that I can do to be a better steward of the environment. Realizing that this is a gift from God given to all of us, not just me. And yet, I still take advantage of a system, especially because I am a white male, and say, well, this is worthy of me and forget any ramifications that it might have. Like we've talked about before, I don't necessarily want to think about the process of the different electronics that I have around me and how they came to be and the punishment not just on people but the on the environment that has possibly come to happen for me to be able to acquire such electronics. And that's just one example. I think about the environment and Imagine this man on the side of the road as the Levite and the priest go by. Do you not think that he was trying to get some attention for help? Maybe he is seriously injured. Maybe he's seriously injured to the point that he's knocked out. But yet we don't go over to look and help. What signs are not written in this text that possibly would give us that this guy needs help? But our own natural curiosity, the creative side of God that has been put into all of us in some form or fashion would at least urge you to go over to check it out. What is going on? And yet these two men ignore it. We look at the environment and what signs and signals is it sending us that we are ignoring? For me, I think of even in the last 200 years... We've had three major birds that just come off the top of my head that I would have loved to understand more. The dodo, the great auk, which was like a big penguin-like bird in the northern European countries. Again, a flightless bird. Or how about passenger pigeons? And that you would have the sky blacked out for days when these migrated. I can't imagine what that was like. And suddenly that's gone. Think about the bison and what we all did with, for multiple reasons, taking care of the major bison herds that we used to have in the western United States in the Great Plains. 
that we could feel the rumble of the earth as a stampede came. And now we are paying the consequences, the sacrifice of not having these around and realizing what they were actually doing for the environment, how they were helping to turn over that ecosystem consistently so that it was a healthier ecosystem. When we are keep removing and playing with so many of these species through extinction, and it's not even just animal species, plant species also. We don't realize when we're going to pull one too many, and suddenly, if we are playing a game of Plinko, the marbles fall. That's, to me, one of the things that's so scary and how in that scenario are we showing love for what has been given to us? If we have to love our neighbor as ourself, and if we are supposed to show mercy, Christ never defines neighbor as even another person. Because this is the element that I don't think gets brought up especially enough in our lectionary, but especially when you're even looking at this text, we don't ask about the creator. And what he created is that part of our neighbor. And if we love Christ so much, if we're trying to have that Christ-like love, wouldn't Christ also have appreciated what he created? To me, I look at and wonder with this is how much are we just ignoring these signs? And when that is happening... When we're ignoring the science stating that we're having extinction rates higher than we ever have, when we're starting to realize, looking at like Yellowstone, we've talked about the impact of when the wolf was gone from the Yellowstone ecosystem to when it was reintroduced in even limited levels, how much that changed that ecosystem to a healthier ecosystem. How much are we damaging things by removing them that we then don't understand? It's hard to know. I heard a story this week from the area in which I'm in, and to give you a little bit of an understanding, there's three different reservations around the area in which I am, and the story goes that there used to be an Indian path between two of these Indian tribes. And along the Indian path, as they went along this lake in particular, there were places where the Native Americans would stash tobacco. And tobacco to the Native culture up here is a sacred element. And the idea that if you wanted to pay tribute to your creator as you were going along, that you could use some to do that. But the idea then also was that if you use some, you would eventually come back and put some back. Unfortunately, when our non-indigenous brothers and sisters came and got up into this neck of the woods and were walking these trails and found, look at all this tobacco. And they just reached up and grabbed the whole thing and stuck it in their pouch. No longer could this be enjoyed by many. No longer was that there. And you could take multiple different avenues that you had taken from them part of their spirituality at that moment because we didn't understand because in that way we had disturbed something bringing them back literally in this case to their creator 
with us damaging our own environment, us ignoring those signs that are being spread and shown time after time after time, are we just damaging our own relationship with our own creator? Are we more and more moving toward this idea of I can bail myself out? Because we know that that's not the case. If we're going to say that we love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and that we love your neighbor as yourself, how does that fit? How does the loggers stripping the northern Midwest of trees fit within that? Ignoring our own connection to the environment in which God graciously gave us. And I'm not saying that loggers were entirely bad, but I feel that we missed the boat. We missed a grand opportunity to be able to understand something greater than ourselves. As we know more and more about some of the damage that we have provided, our environment, which has gone on to continually affect others, brothers, and sisters in faith, I have a hard time then saying, even myself, as I make some of these decisions, how am I not the priest? How am I not the Levite? How am I not ignoring information that I know to be true? How am I loving my neighbor? And these are not easy questions, and it's not something that we can totally change overnight, but on an individual basis we can. And as individuals coming together and working together, we can slowly make big changes that make great impact. And understanding that this Samaritan sacrificed his own time. He sacrificed his own pride for another because that was more valuable to him. I think it's something that we can all learn from and all think about and all contemplate. Faith, we all know, is not easy. And sometimes when we're confronted with difficult information, we then should know that we shouldn't be running away from it, but running toward it to make a difference, to make a change. When we're receiving signs that are continually stating that there is a problem, We don't ignore it. We go to work with people and work ourselves on how are we going to fix our part of the problem and continue to help make strides toward finding a solution. In that, we will find fruit. And in that, we will also find that there will have to be a healthy dose of faith and trust in God for the damage that we have done. So the Twitter question this week will be this. Have you considered how much environmental impact you make and how does that affect your, quote, community? And the reason that I put community in quotes is because community can be whatever you want it to be. But I would challenge you that community means our global community. These aren't easy, fun, light decisions. It means that we have to open the door to hearing multiple people. Understand there are multiple people who, whatever decision we make, can leave a man on the side of the road. 
and that we then need to listen and understand and try to contemplate what that man is trying to say. It's not devaluing because it's we understand that then all of us are neighbors. Whether they know Christ or not doesn't matter. We are still told to love as if they are. Isn't following Christ fun to the point where it's so difficult to reflect and be brutally honest with ourselves to realize that there is always work to be done and we always will have a lifelong journey to accomplish this goal that we have set before us. So we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.